our second week starting a series called On This Rock. And, and so today we are looking at the, the meat of this passage and what it means to be on this rock. Hey, baby, I love you. Can you go sit by mama? Go sit by mama. Thank you. And last week we saw uh, when Jesus says, I will build my church. Before we rush into what is this church, what is a building, what does it mean to be on this rock, we need to understand who is Jesus. And that's why we exist. We discover that the church's identity is found in Jesus. And apart from him, we are nothing. And it was such a gift to be able to worship with the church and gather here. Well, here we are again. Week number two still hasn't gotten old. But we are encouraged to see what God is doing here. We see some new faces and guests, and that is a joy this morning. And I just want to say and go on record, those of you that are watching online, you can hold me to this. The church is a gift. The church really is a gift from God for us and for his glory. And I know that might not be the leading sentiment today in, in contemporary Christianity, that, that maybe the church is less than a gift, or, or, or worse than that, maybe the church is a curse. The church is something that does not bless us or, or is a help to the hurting or, or to the community. And, uh, and I just want to say this morning, if we truly discover what it is that Jesus is doing, and what Jesus is building, then we have a warmer spot in our heart for the church. We treasure the church. So I, I don't want to stay home in my PJs and, and drink coffee and, and just watch a church service online and stay detached from it. My heart is moved to come, to gather, because God is doing something here. He's doing something in his church universal. He's doing something that the angels are looking at and just in awe. What, how in the world is God doing this? I want to be a part of that movement. Jesus, I want to hear from you this morning. And so my main point, I believe it's the main point that we come away with when we understand this passage, is that we should treasure the church of Jesus Christ. We really should. We should treasure the church of Jesus Christ. Let's read this passage together, and you'll, I think you'll see what I'm seeing here. So starting in verse... 18. Jesus says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So last week we saw that the church is made up of people who find their identity in Jesus. And this week we go deeper into what is the nature of this church and what is God doing in it. I, I see three reasons why we should treasure the church of Jesus Christ. And it comes from Jesus' statement in verse 18. We're just going to unpack that very rich sentence there. First of all, we see that the gospel is the foundation for this community. The church is the foundation for this community. So Jesus says, on this rock, okay, that's, that's the foundation of the church. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And this passage uh, gets a lot of traffic among theologians. There's a lot of discussion and debate about what is going on here. Um, there are some that are saying, oh, okay, Jesus is saying that this is Peter. Uh, on, on Peter, on this person, Christ is building his church. He has some kind of apostolic authority. He's... He's, you know, what some people refer to as the first pope. Now he's inspired by God. He, he, he has all the authority. 
Well, co let context be our guide on this one. And just a few verses later, Peter tries to rebuke the Lord when Jesus is explaining the nature of the gospel. It will involve sacrifice and Jesus dying on the cross. And, and Jesus says, no, Lord, that's not, that's not right. That's not it. And Jesus strongly rebukes Peter. So just like you and I put our feet in our mouths and, and we make mistakes, guess what? Peter makes mistakes too. So he's not all of a sudden this, uh, this divinely uh, perfect individual who now has all authority and everything he says is, is golden. Okay, so that's not what Jesus means by on this rock. But the word Peter and the word rock are the same word in Aramaic, the language that Jesus is speaking. So Jesus is making a point here that involves Peter. But you've got to understand what that is. In the Greek, there's two different words used for, uh, for rock here. There's, there's Petra and Petros, drawing out the fact that Jesus is, is playing off Peter's name, which means rock. So he's saying here, Peter, on this rock, what you just confessed one verse ago, when he says, uh, uh, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. Well, I guess it's, uh, excuse me, two verses ago, verse 16. That's Peter's confession. Jesus, this is what I know to be true of you. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. There's no one like you. This is the foundation of God's work. Jesus reveals himself to redeem hurting people, to restore broken hearts, to show the truth of who he is. And, G and Peter responding to that is foundational to understanding the church. It is Peter, God working through Peter, that he builds his church. But guess what? He doesn't stop with Peter. It's, it's the start, right? On this rock I will build. He also uses his other apostles and their confession and their gospel proclamation. Then he uses the next generation of disciples who are led to Christ because of them. And the next generation of on this rock, I will build my church. It's all about the gospel. It's always been about the gospel. Jesus says, I came to preach the good news of the gospel, or the good news of the kingdom. And Peter sees that, and he responds in the, in the appropriate way in this context. But later, he denies Jesus and walks away from him. Peter is still broken. Peter still needs a savior. Jesus must die on that cross and rise from the dead in order to transform his heart. And you and I needed the same. And to say that I'm a part of the church of Christ means I believe the gospel. That God created me for a purpose, to know him and to love him forever. But I sinned. I broke God's law. I broke that covenant relationship. I rejected God and I ran my own way. I was born in sin. So God the Son came down to restore that relationship. He came down in human flesh. He lived the perfect life that you and I never could. And he offered up his life to save us. And by his blood, he has the power to save every single human being on this planet. But the church are those who have said, we receive that gift, we find our identity in Jesus, and now we walk in him. This is a new community, and we only have that community because of the gospel, because of the new and living way opened up by our risen, resurrected Savior. And we are a family set apart for eternal life. 
Now, last Saturday, Lacey and I took the kids over to the beach, which some of you might be hitting up the beach. Maybe not today, but, but later in the week, you'll be hitting up the beach because that's just where we live, and we love it. And, and we can just rub it in everyone's faces that lives everyone else in, in America. Like, beach life is the good life, okay? You just, that's on the record, too. Okay, you just need to know that. So last Saturday in the evening, we go. We have dinner down at the beach. We hang out, and, uh, and the kids start playing in the sand, right, because that's what kids do. We got the sand toys, the sand castles, the shovels, and, and we built this. Um, actually, it was kind of already built when we got there. We just um, beefed up its defenses. But there's this circular sand castle that we built. We spent pretty much the whole time there just enjoying the sun, enjoying the, the views, and working on this sand castle, right? And it was a really big deal, especially to one of our kids, because he worked so hard on this. He was building, building, building. And he wanted to make sure that if we leave, this thing's going to stay here, right? And no one's going to mess with it, and, and it needs to last forever. And we had to explain, well, just building a sandcastle on the beach, it's not going to last forever. In fact, it might not last 10 minutes. I can't control if someone walks down here and kicks it over, or, or once the tide comes in, and that's not what sandcastles are meant for, right? It's not permanent. But how many people in our culture in our society, in our world, do we see right along the beach working their heart out, selling their soul and their lives to try to build sand castles, to try to find meaning, to try to find purpose in the sand of life. And then when they leave this earth, it's immediately washed away or kicked over by someone else. It's not permanent. You build your life on the rock. And the gospel is the only rock, the only sure foundation. When, it, um, when uh, we look at modern America, we see what people are giving their lives to. We see money. We see wealth and, and privilege, prestige. Uh, we see networking going on. We see uh, maybe family. You find your identity in your, your family or if your family isn't fulfilling your needs or your pleasure, just go start another family. Keep building. Keep building, find another sand castle. Just keep working, working, working. But the church offers a different message of hope. And it's not something that I've built. But I can guarantee you it will last forever. Because this is the work that God has been doing from the past even to now. In Ephesians 2.20, so Lacey just read this passage. We see that the church is a body of people and it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, okay? We're, we're tracking with that, right? Through the gospel confession of the believers, the church is being built through life transformation, but Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. So what is faith? My faith is not an action. I, I, I'm not building anything on the rock. Who's the builder? Jesus is the builder. My faith is saying, I trust that Jesus is holding me to this rock and he's going to keep me here. And I am a part of God's family and I will be a part of his family for forever. Because guess what? When my eyes close in death and I step to the other side of this life, I don't have any guarantee in this life that this is going to be what, what reality is. Except Jesus told me so. This is the promise. And I'm clinging to that promise. I'm clinging to that rock. In the book of Acts, when the church starts, if you flip over to Acts chapter 2, if you know how to get there and you're familiar uh, with the, the layout from bridging from the Gospel of John to Acts there, you will see what happens when the Holy Spirit comes 
and fills the follower of Jesus with the Spirit, what do they immediately go out to do in Acts chapter 2, verses 38-39? Peter is preaching the gospel. That's it. He's not giving out iPads. He's not trying to, to gather a crowd. He just preaches the good news of Christ that he knows. This Jesus that he knows and loves and has experienced personally and has changed his life, he is now calling others to come and, and accept that invitation as well. Peter focuses on the gospel, and God adds the numbers. So may our church plant, Living Hope Church, be here to preach and live and share the gospel. If we do nothing else right, may we get that right. Because if we get that wrong, it doesn't matter how big we build this thing. And believe me, I see one day this church reaching hundreds, thousands of people for Christ, planting other churches that reach people for Christ. That will happen. But if we sell our soul and move away from the gospel to try to reach the crowds, what have we built? A really big church that in one or two generations will wash away. Because only the gospel is permanent. Here's the second truth we see. Why we should treasure the local church. Christ is the architect and builder. I mentioned that already. And it's in the same verse that we were just looking at. So it's, it's not earth shattering. But I want to emphasize it again. Christ is the architect and builder. In other words, the church wasn't my idea. It wasn't Peter's idea. Or any of the other apostles. It's Christ's plan. It's God's plan. And I don't think it's just a coincidence that Jesus' occupation in his earthly, uh, earthly days with his father was a carpenter. Did you ever think about that? And Jesus was a carpenter. He knew how to build things. I, I believe that he stood alongside his father and learned how to build quality tables, furniture, houses. Perhaps he was a stonemason working with houses that... That word carpenter can, can have a, a fluid translation, but he knew how to work with his hands. He knew how to assemble quality work and see it come together. He's a carpenter. He's a master builder. And we're told that he's building God's kingdom through the church. Now, if you and I were a carpenter and we were going to build a structure, tell me, what materials would we use to build? Okay, steel. That's a good, sturdy material. What else? What's that? Wood. Wood. Some good quality wood, right? Not even pine. Okay, we would go past that. Look for some good oak or maple. We would use quality materials. So think about this. When Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, and I'm going to do it through imperfect people like Peter, who's going to deny me three times. He's not the choicest instrument. He's not somebody that you would immediately go to and say, oh yeah, this guy. This is the guy I want to use to, to help build my church. But that's who he uses. Think about how gracious God is. And even, even right now, we got, we got some commotion and some noise over here from the kids. And if Jesus was here, the, the apostles would be like, get, get those kids out of here. They're making so much noise, we can't even focus. And Jesus would say, hey. Let the children come. Let the children hear how much I love them. Let them hear of the grace that I have for them. The church is for them too. And one day, Lord willing, we will have a children's ministry with classes for teaching on their level. But, but the Lord will need to build his church and we'll see that come together. And we'll see all those ministries fall into place. But he chooses to use broken people like myself and like you. 
He also chose to be broken down in his body so we could be built up. The kingdom comes through sacrifice. We'll talk about that more next week and what Jesus says in his flow of teaching. But how is the body built up? Jesus sacrificed his body and he was broken and he shed his blood and he died so that we could live and so that we could reach the nations for the gospel because there's no gospel without repentance and there's no object of our faith for repentance unless our Savior dies and provides that perfect sacrifice and resurrection. He bought us with his blood. We are his people, his building, and we're brought together, we're held together by grace. I want us to think about those tools that Jesus uses to build. He uses his spirit to fill us, to change our heart and our will and our desires and to make us like him. Then as we fully devote ourselves to Jesus, he uses his word to teach us and guide us and instruct us and correct us and, and grow us together and help us reach others. And hear me out. He also gives us the church. The church itself, the body of believers, we need one another to grow. I know, I know, this is America. We have figured out individualism to a T. You can buy your cars online from the comfort of your home. You know, you can get, you can get your home customized however you want. You can get your car detailed. I mean, there's more, there's more car washes and detailing places around here than just about anything else. You can go down this road right here and get any kind of meal you want after church. And guess what? You can probably afford it, too, because we live in a, in a very affluent area. And, and uh, just the fact that you're here means you are better off than probably 95% of the world. So we can make a go of it all on our own. But Jesus says, in my wisdom, I know you need brothers and sisters in Christ walking through life with you, keeping step with you, encouraging you, nudging you. Sometimes give us an elbow poke, okay? Or missing us if we are not gathering for worship in the assembly. Hey, where you been? We missed you. Or, hey, how's your Bible reading coming? Oh, well, I kind of got away from that. Hey, how about, we, how about we pick a Bible reading plan and go through it together? Let's start with a 14-day plan and work from there. We need each other because gospel transformation always takes place in the context of relationships. I read that from, from Paul David Tripp the other day in one of his books called Lead. Isn't that true? Did Jesus ever have a ministry where he didn't, and he wasn't present and there? How does he grow us, grow us? Through his Holy Spirit through that connection and that relationship, so we grow. So it also makes sense that that relationship continues to one another. Relationships are the context for the gospel to work. And we as a church commit to meet Sunday mornings here at 1015 as a large group. And we worship and we praise Jesus and we study his word and we allow the word to change us. We also meet in small groups, Sunday afternoons at 4 o'clock at our house. We share a meal, we pray, we study the word together, but we also apply this. Like, what does it mean to make a disciple? What does it mean to go and reach our neighbors for Christ? And how can we do that together? The small group is just like Jesus and his disciples talking on the way. How are we going to, do you see what I'm seeing? How are we going to reach these people for Christ? Now, follow Jesus' statement here. He says, I will build my church. I'm the architect. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So in, the, in those days, the gates of an ancient city defined its strength. Right? The invading armies would come, and the first thing you want to build up in your city is the walls and the gates. You build that up, and you've got a good city. You've got a secure city, right? 
He says the gates of hell will not prevail against my building. Jesus has ripped the doors off of the grave over death and hell. And for those who put their trust in him, eternal destruction. That has no place here. The resurrecting power of Jesus Christ has prevailed. The gates of his temple will trample over the gates of death. This is what it means to be a part of the living temple of Jesus Christ. And what's he building? Look at Revelation chapter 5. We see people from every tribe, tongue, nation, ethnic group, gender, before the throne, worshiping and praising our Savior together. All of them together. Isn't that amazing? And in chapters 21 and 22, we see him bringing this beautiful city from heaven to earth. The new heaven is on the new earth. So it's a spiritual relationship we have with God, but it's also made physical. God's people are gathered together in a final heavenly home with God, face to face, his dwelling places with man. So in our pandemic world or post-pandemic world, it's easy to say, well, you know, the church is people. The church is people. So, you know, I can do church from home. Or if I'm not a part of a local church for a while, that's okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm part of the church, universal, so it, it, that's good enough, right? Is that good enough for all of eternity? To remove the physical proximity to our Lord and Savior? To not live physically with him in the new heavens and new earth? I don't want to miss out on that, and I hope you don't either. So what part does the local church play in that? Here's our third point. The local church makes the invisible kingdom of God visible. When we say God loves you, or we say we should love one another, how will anyone know this isn't just a fairy tale like Santa Claus unless we're actually doing it? Unless we're loving people. Unless we're showing the compassion, the joy, the grace of God in our relationships. Otherwise, it's just a, it's a vertical thing. And other people look at us like, oh, that's, I mean, that, that's good for them. But, but does it really change anything? Does it really change the community around them? And the local church says, absolutely. Look at this community of people that have gathered that have nothing in common apart from Jesus and we love each other, and we hold fast to the word, we're changed by the word, and we encourage each other, and out of the strength of our community, we go out, and we show that the kingdom of God is advancing. The local church is the visibility. This is what people are looking to. And where am I getting this from? Where am I getting this point from? Simply that word church. And Jesus says, I will build my church. In his context, it simply means assembly. I'm building an assembly here. And, and it's a very common word. Everyone would have understood it. There were democratic assemblies in politics. Uh, you'll see in, in the book of Acts, several times there's assemblies or even uh, riots when people assemble together to oppose the work of the gospel. People knew what an assembly was. But Jesus is saying, I'm building my assembly, my gathering. And in, in a book I was reading called One Assembly, the author, Jonathan Lehman, talks about how you could compare the church to a basketball team. Hang with me, okay? This is a really good point. And he says, you know, basketball is a good game. You know, and, and, it's, and it's wonderful to say, hey, there's a basketball game at 6 o'clock, okay? And you show up, and 
But how do you know a basketball game is actually ongoing? And how do you know there's actually a school or an organization or, or a professional franchise being represented? The team shows up, and they're on the court, and they're playing the game together. Otherwise, it's not basketball. You have to have the team. So when you think of the body of Christ, if we all say, the church is not for me, I'm, I'm going to just kind of do my own thing or hang out at home or I'll go out Christmas and Easter. Are we really representing anything bigger than ourselves? No, we've actually made it about ourselves. But if we're a team, if we're a family called to represent a holy God in heaven who loves and redeems and rescues and saves, we gather together in his name and we display the gospel in our worship of him, and how we relate to one another. It's an amazing gift that God's given us. And we think to ourselves, if Jesus was here right now, what would he do? Surely he wouldn't waste his time in a church. He'd be going out and helping the hurting people. That's not what Jesus tells us to do. He tells, the New Testament in Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't do that. It's a bad habit. Assemble. And proclaim his grace. And then scatter and proclaim his grace. And then gather, proclaim his grace. Repeat. Continue to assemble and display the gospel. He says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, these are his, his final commands to his disciples and our marching orders. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So making disciples is not an option we can add into our week. This is the work of the church. Because guess what? Jesus is not here physically. He is in heaven on the throne. So who is his body on this earth showing the love and the redeeming power of the gospel on earth? It is us, the body of Jesus Christ. And we all play a small part in that body. Only Jesus is perfectly whole. You and I, on our best day, when we're spirit-filled, might do one thing well. Jesus did all things well. But, but together, when you have the hand and the feet and the eyes and the ears, you have the whole body working together as one. People see Jesus, and that's the point. We treasure the church of Jesus Christ because our identity is in Jesus. And if we love the local church and we support the local church and we give to the local church and we worship at the local church and we evangelize as a church to the community, we show something much bigger than ourselves. Together we show the glory of God. And think about all that we can do together. We can use our gifts to build up the body. We join Jesus in his work. I don't build the body, but I can build up and I can encourage the body. Instead of whipping the body or shaming the body like we're so prone to do, we put down others because we feel like, oh, we've got church figured out. We've got this worked out. No, no, no. I, but I can use my words to build up the body. I can cultivate relationships in this church and outside of it for the gospel. 
I invite others in to see what Jesus is doing. I can have a part in seeing souls enter the kingdom by sharing the gospel. We can help children through ministries like One More Child. I would love to see one more church like Living Hope get established in the community. And then how many children can we help out of that church? And then when we reach our max, we plan another church so they can help in their community. And another and another. Because it's not about us. It's about the grace of God meeting people where they are and we get to be the vessels that he uses. What a gift. We get to show the invisible kingdom made visible. So, can we do church online? Can we do it virtually? If you're watching this message right now, I'm glad you are, and I hope it's encouraged you and, and challenged you, but it is not a substitute for the local church. And I realize we went through a pandemic, and there are a lot of scary things. We had to figure out what's what and, and take precautions, but that's not an excuse now to neglect the assembly. You still get your groceries. You still go out to eat. You still go to the beach. We still need to assemble and show the love of God because people today who have gone through the same things that you have don't have the hope that you have. And if we forsake the opportunity to show it to them, how are they ever going to hear the good news? It's not about us. If I stay home, I can make it about me. But if I step outside my comfort zone and I join what God is doing, and I see the work that he's building, and we're a part of that, and we say that people matter to God, and we get off the sidelines and we play the game with our Lord and Savior, we can be a part of that beautiful vision we see in Revelation of every tribe, tongue, and language gathered together. That's what our Jesus can do. And Jesus said, when two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. Which means even right now, Jesus is Lord over this church. In fact, I was convicted on our, on our church leadership page. I have myself listed and I have my fellow pastor listed here as the leaders of the church. I said, how did I not put Christ there first and foremost? He's the head of the church and we serve at his pleasure just according to his word. So that's something that I need to change so that anyone who goes on our website just knows we're all about Jesus, even in the way we describe our leadership. It's Jesus first. We gather in his name. And if you're not led to join Living Hope or be a part of this assembly, then I encourage you, find one that you can be. Be a part of a local church week in and week out. Because the church is essential. Not because I say so. But Jesus said, this is what I'm doing. This is plan A in the New Testament age to build my church, to advance the kingdom of God. Do we love the church because we love Jesus? Do we treasure the church because we treasure Jesus? Let's treasure him this week. And as we conclude with some singing, some praising, some prayer, I would like to, to offer, we are available to talk with you. We are available to, to counsel, to encourage, to listen. And Pastor Comus will be back there, and, and, and my mom, Chris, will be there as well. Um, if a lady would like to talk with her. And then after the, the singing portion at the end of the program, my wife and I are available as well. We'd love to talk. We'd love to encourage. We'd love to pray with you. just want to thank God for this gift. He's the cornerstone. He's building something awesome. And he's using imperfect people like you and me to do it. So let's sing about the grace that he's given us this morning. I'm going to ask Caleb to come up, and we will sing Cornerstone.